Good morning and welcome to today's episode of Connections Tech Experience. I am Penny Conway, Senior Program Manager for Workplace Transformation here at Connection. And I am lucky enough to have our entire TSG group back with me today. That is our Technology Solutions Group. And they focus on all things security with a special guest, Sarah Bates, our Partner Business Manager from HP, to talk about all things HP and all things security. So Sarah, welcome to the show. And why don't you tell us a little bit um, about yourself and what brings you to the podcast today? So I'm um, a partner business manager, which means that I am dedicated to supporting connection from an HP perspective. I help out with everything from questions of account managers on the sales floor to, you know, helping build our brand within HP. So HP has a nice slogan that says that they make the world's most secure PCs and printers. Is that true? It is true. Legal even lets us say it. So it's really true. (laughs) That's how you know it's true. Exactly. So today, uh, the last time I had our TSG group folks um, on the line with us, we talked a lot about their strategy around protection, detection, and reaction. And the last thing that we left off with with this group was talking about um, our end users or our employees and awareness and how we um, sometimes might see our employees as one of our greatest security risks. And that is very near and dear to HP, as I understand. They have some specific solutions around how to um, mitigate the risks that employees might be having. But uh, Sarah, you and I talked about um, an interesting topic all around um, visual hacking and the success rate of visual hacking. I believe nine out of um, 10 attempts um, to visually hack someone's information are successful, uh, which is really scary when you consider um, that 60, um, in a recent survey that was done, 60% of employees um, take their um, work computers on the road with them out of the office, uh, leaving them really open to that visual hacking. So tell us a little bit about uh, visual hacking and uh, what HP has going on in that space. And we've got a great a group of security experts here that might agree with you, might challenge you, and might ask you some questions as well. So let's get in the ring and talk about security. Absolutely. So if we start with visual hacking, it's actually a really simple concept. It's someone looking over your shoulder when you're doing something on your computer. And you'll find that I've noticed that I do it like not paying attention wise, like you're sitting on a plane and your neighbor is doing something on their laptop and you're like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, you're sending emails. And most of the time it's not very interesting and you don't care. But it's like you said, people are taking their work systems out on the road and whether they're sitting in a Starbucks or an airplane, they're looking at their email, they're looking at their company data. And it's so easy for someone who's in the wrong place at the wrong time or someone who is actively sitting at Starbucks waiting for someone from a nearby company to show up with some information to just take a look at your screen and see what you're typing. And they're really great. They could snag your password. If not, they can just snag some information, whether it's private financial data or some kind of new product a company's coming out with. And people don't think that it's just as simple as looking at your screen and they can grab that data. So um, looking to uh, you guys, Bill, Steve, Mitch, and Rob, when you're working with customers on um, your SLO process, uh, what components of that sort of visual hacking come into play there when you're working uh, with companies to try to understand what that potential risk is? You know, we certainly talk about uh, 
people process and technology through the process. Um, and of course, we are looking at all types of potential risk that uh, a customer may have. You know, this uh, particular technology is really fantastic in the healthcare space, right? As an example, where there could be sensitive healthcare information that may be on a system. Um, so we do cover all those particular components um, and having the ability, we, you know, it, it might have been invented in California. We call it in the cybersecurity space, shoulder surfing. Ooh, um, but, like you know, that. yeah, so um, shoulder surfing is certainly something that we we worry about. And, and you're right on an airplane is, you know, you're mm-hmm. sitting next to somebody and they kind of lean and over towards <laughs> you and you're thinking, hmm. Are they reaching for something out of their bag? Are they trying to read my screen? So, you know, having that that protection is really important. And, you know, the interesting part about this is fundamentally, we kind of forget about those physical security kinds of things, right? We think about all those, you know, uh, guys sitting in the dark room with a hoodie, typing away, creating malicious attacks that can attack a computer. But physical security is one of the easiest ways to capture and, and gain the information that is most sensitive. Yeah, and I was I was actually reading, uh, and it goes back to the awareness. And when you're thinking about being on um, a plane, uh, a study that I read said that seventy five percent of I think it was a survey of a of a thousand employees, seventy five percent of the senior managers that were um, that reported back into that survey said that they didn't think about things like that, like the visual hacking, the the answering an email or clicking on you know a link from somebody that they by all means, think that they know um, being an issue. And so those, you know, that kind of level and above, that's, those are the people in your organization that actually have the sensitive information that you don't want walking around. Um, so what is, uh, Sarah, you had actually made a, um, I'm going to make you uh, repeat this comment because you said you were sitting next to somebody um, on a plane uh, who had what kind of privacy screen? So I was sitting, it was actually, I, they were like across the aisle from me, one up. So I would have been had a perfect glance of their security screen, uh, of their screen, but they did have like an external privacy filter on it, but it was scotch taped around their notebook. And then it also had like this huge crack in the corner. So like I could see like the little tiny part of the screen, like glowing out. And it was this young guy who clearly was, it was like a financial company because he was talking with some of his colleagues about what he was doing and I just wanted to like lean over and tap him on the shoulder and be like, you should ask your IT department for an HP computer <laughs> with SureView, which is so HP has like a built in privacy screen and it's like you can turn it on and off with the click of a button so it looks nice um, and you don't have to worry about scotch tape or cracked corners or anything. And so it was just such so funny. I wish I had done it, but he was protecting himself, but not very attractively. I actually, I turned my, um, I have a HP computer in front of me with SureView and I, I clicked it on and I think there is a little bit of privacy screen envy going on in the room. <laughs> so we might, we, we might have to equip uh, some of our friends here with some SureView, SureView machines. Yeah, it's funny. It comes in handy too when you least think about it. On another flight, because I travel all the time, I actually was sitting down and there was another young woman next to me and we were just chit-chatting about what we were doing. We were heading down to Texas and she's like, oh, I work for Dell. And I was like, oh, I work for HP. And as I opened up my system and like pulled up my email, I was like, privacy filter on. (laughs) (laughs) So that kind of looks at the, you know, the shoulder surfing, which I actually really, really like that that term. It sounds a little bit cooler than visual hacking. Um, but, you know, along with kind of what people are seeing on your screen, potentially, 
Um, there's a ton of other, I think, end user or employee risks that are to, uh, happening today around um, specifically phishing. We talked a little bit around how that looks like for, you know, enterprises. Uh, Steve, you you talked about a, a specific scenario with a casino whose um, fish tank thermometers or thermostats uh, were actually hacked, and that's how that's they right. got in. Mm -hmm. um, but employees are seeing um, emails come in every single day um, from either maybe a fake source internally or maybe someone that... They just, I mean, how many of our employees have kind of personal um, emails coming to their work address? You know, I'll be 100% honest, my daycare emails my work address because that's the fastest way to get a hold of me. And I think that's just like a, you know, a small example. But um, what are users doing on their laptops today that um, HP is seeing? And then, of course, our security team weigh in here. Like, what's happening um, in an everyday basis of me as a user at my computer? What kind of threat am I to my organization when I'm just clicking through emails? So, you know, email comes from everywhere, right? And you're right. You, we do get personal email to our systems. Um, and, uh, you know, you get all kinds of advertisements that come in as well. Uh, and so um, understanding what you can do to protect yourself against uh, a, a phishing attack being executed on your system is something that takes a lot of effort to train people on, but um, is very effective. But certainly, you know, one of the best things you can do is have some type of technology that will prevent that from executing, um, you know, in an uncontrolled kind of way before the employee can really, uh, you know, stop it, right? Yeah, and so one of the things HP does, and we look at it as your employees are going to click a link at some point, some employee somewhere is going to click a link that they think is real or that they didn't mean to click. Um, and with that phishing scenario, so one of the things HP thinks about is how do we kind of at the forefront, you know, and obviously not the be all end all of security, but how do we do at the hardware level or at the system level, build in solutions um, that can help protect a company or an organization when their employees just go about their normal day, but do something that's going to negatively affect them. So we have a couple of different technologies that we usually build right into our systems that can help either when users click links, open them up in like a sandbox opportunity, in a sandbox situation where, <laughs> um, you know, so the user has to say, all right, do I really actually trust this source? Yes, I do. And I can now open this link up in a true fashion so it has access to my system. Or, and if they do click something, that you know download some kind of malicious code onto their device we actually are able to kind of constantly monitor the bios level of a system so where hackers typically tend to go to write code where a, a typical end user isn't going to notice something is off with my system but that's how they like a hacker will use that level to access into a company's network or into um, their data and so we're able to say hmm Someone's made a change to the BIOS, the core, you know, code of this device, and it sh they shouldn't have. So we have a separate special copy, we called it the golden copy, that sits in a separate physical location on the motherboard. And we can say, all right, this BIOS that's running the machine isn't right. Let's shut it down and restart it and pull that actual real official BIOS from that golden copy. So just some really quick and easy ways that, HP is thinking about protecting their, you know, customers 
before any actual intervention from IT or full software-based solutions come in. And what's interesting is the, the, the BIOS level threats, that's different than you know, maybe some other, I'll let you guys kind of maybe talk about the difference of threats because from what I understand and Mitch, I think you're going to, um, you're getting ready to go. Um, but BIOS threats or attacks are not detected as easily, right. As maybe some others that are happening. So share with us a little bit of clarity around that. Um, uh, before I get to that, I just have, <laughs> he's like, no, no, no. I wanted to say something else. <laughs> uh, does short click have an option to like report the file? Yes, it does. Okay. Cuz I think that's that's huge if, if you know, it comes up and you're unsure if it's safe or not, it'd be great to send yeah. it somewhere to go actually get looked at. Yeah, and the, so the system can notify through a couple of different ways. And then there's also, if the company wants to get above and beyond, um, we do have some security solutions that are um, part of our device as a service organization that will actually take that security monitoring and reporting like up to the next level. So what, cool. I, I, I'm sorry, I'll ask another question about the the sure click is, you know, say, say you have an end user that, that um, opens something, it asks them if they trust it or not, but they say maybe not, and they open it up into that window. But then they just kind of arbitrarily say, yes, I, I do trust this, even though I don't really know if I trust this. What happens with that? If they release it, is that now just released? Is it just kind of like a, a temporary blockade, or does it have some other sort of info collecting or quarantine attributes in it? So for the most part, it is just kind of that first level attempt where um, if a user says they trust it, it will kind of open up onto the system. And that's why there's the other pieces involved, like um, Sure Start, which is that BIOS level protection I was talking about. And then again, how I'm sure the, the experts in the room will tell you, you know, you don't need just one security feature, you need layers. So it's right. just one of those first line of defense pieces. And then um, there's other solutions, and some of which, again, are built in in that HP system from the start, but other pieces that will help mitigate any risks if a user says, I trust this, even though they don't. They don't. <laughs> they just want to open up their document. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a great point about layered security. You know, it's not any one thing that, that will provide you complete and total protection. Um, so what you want to do is make sure that you're covering all the potential associated with the threat or the risk you perceive and having something like a next-gen AV that can do machine learning or behavioral analysis on something on the endpoint added on top of the HP platform is certainly a great idea. Or at least privilege approach. Mm -hmm. right. And what do you mean by that privilege approach? Ensuring that the user doesn't have local administrator rights. You remove all of that because once the hacker does get into the BIOS and they start to work laterally in the system, they'll do a privilege escalation typically or attempt to. Mm -hmm. But if the user is a just a standard user and doesn't have administrative credentials, there's not a lot that the hacker can do. Right. Do you um, do you guys see a lot? Because I know, like when we say that statistic, that sixty you know sixty percent of employees are taking their devices out of the office, and that might we were talking earlier. A lot of you guys work from home. Um, I know some companies give maybe more administrative rights to those remote workers that don't have that 
IT at the ready? Um, what's kind of a play there to make sure that you give enough access so they're not locked out of everything, but not we so much have, access? We all have like, local admin rights. So this gets, the into the, this gets into the whole business process yeah. versus uh, security process perspective, right? And it really depends upon the company and it depends upon the knowledge and awareness of the employees um, and whether or not they do grant admin rights or not. There are technologies out there that you can add that will help do uh, privilege escalation, as Bill just alluded to. Uh, and so you can run a machine at a local user level, but have uh, software that will allow you to be able to escalate a one-time privilege to install a uh, executable, right, an application or something along those lines. But thinking about that from an overall mechanics perspective, again, it's people, process, and technology is really imperative to building a good risk management strategy. Yeah, and one of the things you want to do as well with this, and I'm assuming HP has a capability to uh, be able to uh, prevent the um, uh, USB port from uh, being accessible to boot, right? Because that's one of the attacks. You know, there are cool technology out there, and one of them is called Bash Bunny. You can put it in the USB port and actually boot right off of that and take control of a system. So I'm assuming there's protection built in for that as well. Yes. But yeah, the important part is trying to minimize the amount of things that an employee has to actually think about on a regular right. basis so that they can focus on doing their job. But they still have to have good security uh, capabilities and a thought process. But the beauty of having some of the built-in technology is now they know that they can relax a little bit on that part of it. Uh, but your, your question, Penny, about you know if, if somebody just opens up something without really validating whether or not it is um, uh, malicious or not, as soon as it's in user space, it, whatever is code is in there that may be malicious code is just going to execute. So at that particular point in time, that's why it's important to have additional technology that can maybe protect against uh, an advanced attack as well as some level of monitoring to be able to determine or we get to the detect and react piece, right? Uh, are you able to detect when something bad is happening on an endpoint? That's a lot about um, PCs and kind of what's happening. We live and breathe on our, on our PC. Um, but print is kind of one of those... Um, risky little areas and i don't know how um familiar every everyone is with the pewdiepie attacks that happened last year i'd say raise of hand but how about a quick yes 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 i mean that was a <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um but that was a, a really big one that was um thankfully i think not malicious but we hear a lot of hackers now that are like oh i didn't do that to be malicious i did that to educate you about how easy it is to hack into your system but it was you know over i think well over a hundred thousand printers that were hacked with a message saying um it was all about pewdiepie some youtuber wanting the most amount of subscribers and saying you know um subscribe to pewdiepie um and also your printer is unsecure so you might want to actually do something about that. Um, print seems to be just that blind spot for a lot of companies. They don't see a printer the same as a PC, but the truth is, Sarah, they really are the same machines. And so I think this is one thing that like is a great point of um, conversation is how do we get companies to start looking at printing or printers and that hardware being just as open to a potential threat as a PC is. Yeah, Penny, I think that's a great point. And I think a lot of times print has always been seen as it's there, 
If it works, don't touch it. It spits out my paper data. It photocopies something for me. But really, you know, nowadays as printers are becoming smarter and smarter and document management is becoming a bigger part of organization strategies, these printers that they're buying and they're putting right into their network, usually with a, you know, a physical connection, have an operating system. They have a, you know, a screen. They have memory. They have a hard drive. So essentially, they're PCs big PCs on your network that are spitting out documents and you're sending data through them and you're not usually thinking about how that is an access point. And I think, I mean, I, I definitely see companies changing and, and thinking about the print now, but, you know, HP has been talking about this for years and, you know, the common saying is like, have you thought about your print security? And people are like, print security. <laughs> what does what? that mean? What? Like <laughs> antivirus on my printer like and and so it's definitely something that a lot of more and more people are thinking about and i mean there are statistics out there that talk about how you know often you know hackers are able to use a printer as an access to the network or how someone again talking about end users someone prints this prints something and that um document that they print contains some kind of malicious code that's now going to you know, make that printer that access to the network that people are traditionally thinking about their PCs being in that. So it's, it's something that we're seeing people think a lot more about. And it's something that HP has definitely been talking to customers about it for, for years. And Rob, where do you, where do printers stand when you're working with customers? Yeah, they're huge. I mean, and it goes to that concept of people not thinking of a printer as necessarily a computer, right? It's like, how do I manage it? I don't manage it like I manage all my computers. So it's it's this concept that's kind of hard to grasp. People are coming around to it, but it's what do I do when it comes to um, making sure the right protections in place, maybe going thinking beyond the printer, maybe thinking about your network, right? How do I understand if my printers are on the same segment as my user PCs and then saying, oh, look, I made a pivot. That's something for easy people to jump from a printer to now my user network. So understanding that, do you have the right proper network segmentation in place? And that's a huge thing with IoT in general, right? Printers really are the fit into that IoT bucket and the Internet of Things. So it's it's managing them right, correctly, right, from setting them up, configuring them, but then also understanding, did I make it easy for a, an attacker or a malicious actor to, to come in, take control of my printer, and then just you know run around my network? So having that right segmentation stood up and understanding how to to, to um, understanding why I need to do that and how is is crucial as well. Yeah, Rob's point about easy, right? Um, the mindset of a hacker, um, they're looking for the biggest return on investment with the least amount of effort. Generally, is the initial starting point. So printers are highly sophisticated systems, sophisticated computers. They have IP addresses. Uh, and if there are weaknesses there, they're going to find them, and that's what they're going to exploit. And they're going to look for that first, right, knowing that printers are a potential risk area. So thinking about print security and protecting those very powerful computers on your network is something that needs to be done. And, and frankly, a lot, of, uh, a lot of companies out there don't think about it. Kind of a curiosity, and this might be a good uh, discussion topic, curiosity question, because we talk about how hackers very often say, oh, I was just trying to teach you a lesson. I was trying to create awareness. (laughs) Like, we're trying to create awareness by talking about what you need to do. They're creating awareness by actually 
doing attacks and things like that. Um, what kind of, uh, when you're working with companies or something that companies should think about, um, we know data is, is obviously a, a currency. We alluded to that the last time we talked, but what do you think the, the goal is? Do you, do you think there's hackers out there that are just hacking to see how easy it is to get into something, how hard it is, like it's a hobby? Or do you think all of them are coming in looking for that data that a company has to spread out into the universe or use maliciously? And this is truly an opinion piece. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I think there's a swagger element, right? Some of it is like, yeah, I got into these systems from this company XYZ. Some of it is um, uh, a world-facing job interview, right? Like, look what I was able to do as a security researcher. Maybe you should hire me. Some of it is malicious intent, right? We were talking about how um, how records are expensive, right? Data is the, is, the, is the new currency. So there's that element, too. So I think it, it's a spectrum thing. But but overall, if you're going after a specific company, you, you I shy away from doing that. I would not encourage anybody <laughs> to do that, right? I think you're basically putting a, a target on your head for lots of different things, uh, lots of different issues to come up. And I just think a lot of, you know, hacker has a negative connotation. It, yeah. Most of the people that do it don't, are, aren't in it for malicious reasons. Um, a lot of them love puzzles because it, it right. is, it's a That's big right. puzzle trying to, uh, you know, find a hole to get into. Um, for the serious ones who do it for, you know, um, profit and crime, it, it's literally a job for them, right. you know, nine to five. Um, they're part of a group. Right? Part of a group. Yeah. They have rotations, and you know their their uh, review cycle might be a little different than ours. But you know <laughs> they they have goals. They have MBOs to meet. Um, one of the uh, I was working um, previous past life. Uh, we were responding responding to incident, and uh, we were working closely with the FBI. They got into a chat room, and uh, they showed us that you know, chat script, like we couldn't take it. They printed it out and they showed it to us. Um, it was a Russian chat room. They translated it. Uh, part of me thinks is like, hey, look at look at what we got <laughs> <laughs> to that swagger element. But it, I mean, it was like, it was pretty cool that they did that. And then they shared it with us. And then we're looking at their chat script. It's very close, uh, closely matched like our chat scripts when we would go in and do penetration testing. Uh, you know, we would uh, divide and conquer, go back and forth, mm -hmm. and you know similar methodology. Uh, so, the folks who do do it, you know, um, use their power for evil. Um, it's a job, just like right. like our job. Our job, yeah. It's kind of like the the good guys and the bad guys when you get in, <laughs> into yeah. that. And to Steve's point earlier, a lot of these serious hackers are they're nation state. They're funded. Right. Yeah. They're very yeah. well funded. So. Better funded than our customers. That's right. <laughs> better, better funded than than all the cybersecurity professionals that are trying to prevent them from getting in. And you know, the one thing to keep in mind as well is even the most uh, organized and sophisticated attackers that are out there still start with the easy stuff, right? They're they're going to run script kitties. They're going to be looking for flaws that are standard flaws, systems that aren't patched. They start there because, again, that's either the lowest hanging fruit or the path of least resistance, either one, how you want to look at it. And they start there. And then if they're really targeting somebody, they still start there, but then they get more sophisticated as time goes by to figure out how they can actually get in, right? And, and if any sophisticated attacker wants in, they will figure a way to get in. Sure. There's nothing any corporation is ever going to be able to do to prevent an attacker from getting in, you know, and to include coercing an employee to give right. them sensitive sure. information. Right. 
I was going to tell an anecdotal story. Um, when I was six, I was probably 16 years old and my high school boyfriend, I won't name the, I won't name the company, but it was a popular, um, package delivery, uh, company. And he, uh, I hope he's listening <laughs> one day he finds us and listens. Um, but he, uh, they didn't pick up a package from him when he, like he was a big eBayer because that was, that was big and they didn't pick up a package from him. So he, uh, called them and I don't know what he was looking for from them in terms of an apology. Um, but he ended up, um, going into their system and automating like, um, a request ticket like to happen every 0.2 seconds and he flooded their their system of requests and they had to like it completely stalled them in the it's state of tech. massachusetts <laughs> um but they like and then they ended up of course he's 16 years old he only has so much sophistication when it comes to actually <laughs> like hiding his ip address and anything like that so they actually found him um found where he was located found him got a hold of him like his parents because he's 16 years old and it was kind of uh they couldn't figure out how to stop it they couldn't figure out how to stop their request with the the code that he had had built and they said we promise that we won't press any charges if you just stop if you just stop it so we can resume normal activity but he shut down a very large um package distribution facility in the state of massachusetts for um about a day <laughs> and he was 16 so you think of like things that are like you know the swagger to right. have that that like bragging rights like i'm sure he didn't sign anything saying you can't <laughs> brag about it but um but that, that's kind of the stuff that's out there where it might not be malicious, but it's going to shut you down, shut your business down for a whole day because someone is annoyed that you didn't pick up their package. That's called a denial of service attack in the cyber world. And that's, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. So Mitch, I want to go back real quick to what you were saying um, about the FBI printing out um, chat scripts, because uh, that's actually one of, you know, when we talked about visual hacking up front, um, it's not just what's happening over that shoulder surfer, uh, shoulder surfing, but, um, my, my own personal experience is how many times I've needed to print something on a printer and have like phone a friend so they can go pick it up or they hit the print button, but, um, kind of the printing sensitive documentation. I know that that's very near and dear to HP's, um, kind of print philosophy. So Sarah, t talk to us about kind of the risks there around what's going on with printing sensitive information. Yeah, absolutely. So we talk about, HP talks about printing and securing their print from kind of a whole end-to-end -end approach, just like you would do with anything. So we talk about securing the device, securing the data itself, and then also securing the document. So I thought it was so funny when you said the FBI like printed out this Russian chat script and that's, you know, they have every right to print it out and to look at it at a physical being as ever a lot of people like, you know, physical paper instead of just on the screen. But I thought to myself, well, if they're printing that out to a big, you know, copier device on one side of the building and they've got to walk across, what happens if they get distracted, they start talking to their neighbor at the cube they're walking by, and then someone else accidentally grabs that. And, you know, hopefully everyone in the FBI building is not going to do anything malicious with that information, but who knows if it's um, in a, any office setting or any public setting, if you're printing, you know, you want to make sure you're not just leaving your data um, out for anybody to grab or see. So one of the solutions HP has is, you know, around authentication at the device before um, a, a documents actually come out. So you click print, 
But until you're actually there to touch the device and say, I am Mitch and I really want to see this Russian chat script, uh, it doesn't actually come out. And I, a lot of times I like I have worked for companies where I have to put in a code to print, but that's really just to capture the, the cost center. But I think more and more companies are looking at, and we were talking about the federal government earlier, and of course the FBI. I think that's like a no-brainer for customers like that, that know, you know, I'm constantly printing sensitive information. So I need key cards, I need pin cards, but it's even truer, I think, for, you know, the vast majority of companies just with sensitive data. You have someone in finance printing something or you have HR printing something and that information could get into an employee's hands that maybe they're going to do something icky with it. So I know that like the cloud piece of what HP has been doing is kind of really helping that um, security risk where it's less of that like physical thing I need to be on the device and you guys are really leveraging the cloud to print now right yeah and it could be both a public cloud or someone's internal cloud and I like to think of like healthcare as an example like you're someone in medical billing and you need to print someone's personal information and you click print and you mean to click the printer you know two desks over but you accidentally choose the one that's on the other side of the hospital and so now you've printed out someone's personal medical information and you've got it run, you know, you think, oh my God, I have to run across the hospital to grab this before someone else does. And it accidentally gets out in the world. And that's a huge HIPAA violation. So one of the solutions that we have is you just print to this, I just click print into this general print like queue. And then you can walk up to any device around the organization and you authenticate by a key card or a pin card or your active directory credentials. And then you can see a list of all the documents you've printed and then you select the document and print it. So the idea is that you don't run into any of that risk where you're violating HIPAA or any other, you know, specific compliance um, rules that you're going to put your organization at risk for, you know, fines of that nature or just in general of, of risk of any of proprietary or personal data getting out in the world. No, that's a, a great point. And I, um, I think that's been uh, kind of the neat thing about um, talking to you, Sarah, is that we look at everything that's happening at externally and coming in as a threat externally. And it's great to kind of get that full view of what's happening internally, how people are printing, what they're printing, um, what the chances are of that information getting into the wrong hands. And then same on the PC side, like if 60% of your employees are remote or not even remote, but taking that device on a plane, on business trips, um, the potential of having sensitive information out there in the world. Um, so certainly things for um, companies to really start thinking about um, more of those internal threats and how employees can potentially be a weak spot, but how there also is promise, guys, right? Because if we can create some awareness, some process, and just some understanding of what some of these threats are, then I think companies have a better chance of mitigating against them. Um, so for more information on the world's most secure PCs and printers, um, feel free to visit connection.com um, slash brand slash slash HP. Um, there's a ton of information about their um, security value proposition. And of course, we have a great team here at Connection to help us both, of course, on the security side, um, but specifically for HP security. So Sarah, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me.